Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 190 today, or I should say tonight. We're going to be discussing the new discovery from the Fermi Lab. Uh, did they possibly discover a new force of nature? Uh, but uh, before we get started, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. There's a ton of stuff on there. I'm going to keep saying this every episode we do, but if you're not a Patreon member... For just $2 a month, if you listen to our podcast, you get a whole catalog of other episodes and segments and stuff that's not on our YouTube channel or anything else. So head on over there, check it out. And uh, we're probably going to be doing another fan chat here uh, probably in the next week or so. So check that out as well. If you haven't uh, been over to our Discord channel, head on over there. And uh, Last but not least, head on over to indrasweb.org. It is live. This is the platform that we created to have these kinds of conversations on, whether we're talking about uh, mysteries of the universe, ancient civilizations, you know, you name it, anything. Uh, if you have like a theory or a speculation or a hypothesis, head on over there. That's, that's where that discussion's happening. So what's going on, Maurice? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's been an interesting couple uh, days here in the news. Um, we're actually going to do two live, two shorter live streams tonight. The first one we're going to be discussing here, which is on the uh, uh, Fermi Lab discovery, and then we'll do one after on the recent UAP photos that George Knapp released. So that's going to be kind of interesting. So, uh, so let's start with the new discovery. So, uh, Fermi Lab is a you know one of these um, uh, particle colliders. I don't think it's as large as the Large Hydron Collider, if I'm not mistaken. Why don't you look that up, Maurice, while we're getting into this. Uh, but this is actually not far from me. It's in Batavia, Illinois, which is, I mean, I've had clients out there. That's only like 30 minutes, 40 minutes west of me, so that's not far at all. Um, and what they were doing is they, they were searching for signs of new phenomenon physics by studying the behavior of subatomic particles called muons. Now, um, the forces that we normally encounter on a day-to-day basis uh, are gravity, electromagnetism, the strong force, and the weak force. Gravity and electromagnetism are responsible for electricity and magnetism. The strong and weak forces determine the behavior of subatomic particles. Uh, Now, physicists say they have found possible signs of a fifth fundamental force of nature. Um, The potential fifth fundamental force might be or might explain some of the bigger questions about the universe that have puzzled scientists for decades. Obviously, there's a few things going on. You don't really have a um, unified theory between, you know, particle or quantum physics and classical physics. Um, but you know, that's kind of, maybe this will be some sort of breakthrough that leads to something like that. Uh, I mean, there's different theories too. People have different theories on that already, but, um, 
let's see here. There's a quote from the UK Science and Technology Facility Council, and they said, uh, this provides strong evidence for the existence of an undiscovered subatomic particle or new force. Uh, there's currently one. Okay, so here's the thing. This is not like a set in stone thing, as we talk about all the time on the show, the philosophy of science. Nothing's ever really set in stone. It just evolves or we get more data or it evolves into something else. So um, it's just like this ever-evolving picture kind of. So there is a 1 in 40,000 chance that the result could have been a statistical fluke. Um, So statistics like uh, equating this to a statistic level of confidence described as 4, what does it say, 4.1 sigma, a high level of 5 sigma, or a level of five sigma, so or out of five sigma, excuse me. Uh, so that equates to a one in three point five million chance of the observation being a coincidence. Um, so that's, I mean, that sounds pretty good in terms of it being what they think it is. Absolutely, yeah. I'm having a hard time seeing which one is the bigger one. Uh, but I, th- I think the Large Hadron Collider is the biggest one. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, let's see here. Let's see, what else did they have to say? So there's a good article, too, that I from the Fermilab that I actually posted down below this video all the way at the bottom. You can go check it out. Um, okay, so it says the results from the Muon uh, G-2 experiment uh, at the U.S. Department of Energy's Fermi National, National Accelerator Laboratory shows fundamental particles called muons behaving in a way that is not predicted by scientists' best theory or the standard model, standard model of particle physics. Uh, the result of the experiment made with an unprecedented, uh, I can't even read, the unprecedented precision uh, confirmed a discrepancy that has puzzled researchers for decades. So we'll talk about this in a minute, but there was, what was it, is it Brookhaven? Um, there's another, they, they found out about this a while back, but it was just kind of like, not confirmed or something along those lines. Let me see here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brookhaven National Laboratory. They they kind of found evidence for this a long time ago, but it was never confirmed or really uh, a lot of research was done on it. So obviously that's good data in terms of they can look at that. So I think that 4.1 sigma that I mentioned, I think it was a 3.5 before when they initially looked at that, if I'm not mistaken. The Brookhaven was a 4.2 sigma. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. Maurice is actually getting those facts checked today. Yeah, well, I I read the article, and I'm looking at the article myself. I have some out-of-the-box type ideas, but we'll get to those later. (laughs) Or not. (laughs) (laughs) You better Uh, watch it. All right. So um, where did I leave off? Okay, so... Uh, there's strong evidence that the muons deviate from the standard model calculation, and this might hint at exciting new physics. So you see, like the headlines, it'll say new, you know, fifth force of nature discovered or new physics discovered. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, we'll we'll see what comes out of this, but it's definitely exciting, and there's a lot of mysteries to the universe. You know, not just the dark matter and dark energy, but you know, the, like I mentioned, the the two, you know, quantum physics and classical physics not being unified and among other things. Right. Okay. Um, 
let's see here. We have a quote. It says, "Today is an extraordinary day, long awaited not only by uh, or not only by us, but the whole international physics community." This was uh, Graziano Venazzoni, uh, co-spokesperson of the Muon G minus two experiment and the physicist at the Italian National Institute for Nuclear Physics. Uh, another quote. A large amount of credit goes to the young researchers who with their uh, tolent, her talent, ideas, and enthusiasms have allowed us to achieve this incredible result. Uh, a muon... Okay, so here's some facts, just so you kind of get an idea of like what a muon is. Yeah. Uh, muon is about 200 times as massive as its cousin, the electron. Um, a muon is, in, is an indivisible energy particle. Uh, it is unstable. It is an unstable, heavy version of the electron, and, and then it also decays. Um, let's see here. A muon is one of six types of leptons. Um, we did a episode on quantum physics like a long time ago, but I don't think we still don't know what we talk. We're, you know what we're talking about, but back then we right. really didn't know what we were talking about. So. <laughs> Um, it says muons occur naturally when cosmic rays strike Earth's atmosphere and particle accelerators at Fermi Lab can produce them in large numbers. Uh, so there's like a, they show diagrams kind of what's going on of like the magnetism and stuff. And you, it kind of actually looks like the man, magnetic field of, of Earth, like in a way, like if you think of like a small particle and then you look at like the way that the magnetic uh, fields, you know, go through Earth. Kind of very similar in that regard. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Oh, it says, like electrons, muons act as if they are tiny uh, internal, they have a tiny internal magnet. Uh, in a strong magnetic field, the direction of the muons' magnetic uh, processes or wobbles, much like the axis of a spinning top or gyroscope. So this is another thing I found that was interesting that has you know it has in common with the earth was this you know it has precession you know it wobbles on an axis so that's one thing that makes our planet unique um and I, I i don't know i don't know if there's any like i we would have to talk to a scientist but i don't know if there's any like actual connection or if that's just a characteristic that's more common in the universe that we don't think about or i don't know well it's definitely a cool thought that it gets smaller as it goes but it, who knows how exponentially large it could become let's see here it says the strength of the internal magnet determines the rate of the muon uh as it processes in an uh, external magnetic field and it is described by a number of physicists they call this the g factor um, this number can be calculated with ultra high precision. Um, so the other thing that I found interesting about this is this has been kind of like teased for, I think a couple months or like a month. I kept hearing like something big's coming, something's, you know, so obviously I don't know if it was the science, like a lot of the science community knew about this ahead of time or some journalists or something, but it, it seemed like this has been something that's been in the works for a bit. Um, let's well, yeah, see. they've had the collider there for right or the, that new magnet there since 2003 or 2013, rather. So uh, I'm sure they had some stuff coming out, you know, before they wanted to release it. Right. Um, it says the standard model predicts the so-called anomalous magnetic movement is extremely 
or it, 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 uh, it predicts it extremely precisely. Um, so, oh, this says if the quantum foam, I mean, that sounds crazy to think about quantum foam. If the quantum foam contains additional forces or particles not accounted for by the standard model, that would tweak the muon G factor further. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other thing too is if you read enough of these kinds of articles and papers, you know, obviously we're not physicists or academics or anything like that, but you know, I like to visualize things. I can kind of get the idea. I've read enough scientific papers now. I've, obviously, we've been through school too, but I've read enough scientific papers where I can kind of get the idea of what they're talking about. I like to try and visualize at least. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think we've kind of already been thinking this way after the double slit experiment hmm. where we can't predict where the particle is going to end up when it goes through the, the slit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I read something recently too, and I don't know if this is true, but that they figured out some sort of algorithm to kind of guess where it might end up. I don't, again, I don't know if that's true or not. But There's also a real weird concept and they've tested this theory before where if there's a plant in a room and they perform that slit experiment the light will end up going over the plant more frequently than not oh really so it's like it's almost makes you believe that life wants to attract light uh, uh, attract the light because it needs it to live mm. it's very very peculiar but there was um, something I saw where it was like a light like circling the top of a room and going over a plant. I don't know if that was the same thing or if that was something else, but um, that might have been part of the experiment. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'll look at it after we're done with this. Uh, it says this is a quote. Um, this quantity we measure reflects the interactions of the muon with everything else in the universe. But with the theorists, cal uh, but when the f theorists calculate the same quantity using all of the known forces and particles in the standard model, we don't get the same answer. This was Rene Fatemi, um, a physicist at the University of Kentucky, uh, and the simulations manager of the muon G minus two experiment. Uh, here's another quote. Uh, this is strong evidence that the muon is sensitive to something that is not in our theory, our best theory. So this is something that they did not account for. This is something new to them. That's why it's so exciting. Um, obviously when you have all these intelligent people and all, they're running all these experiments and they've got all the mathematics and physics and quantum physics and all this stuff and they can't account for something. This is very exciting. Absolutely. Um, let's see here. Okay, so this is okay. This is about that previous experiment that I was discussing before, uh, the predecessor experiment of the DOE's Brookhaven uh, National Laboratory, which concluded in two thousand one, offered hints that the muon's behavior disagreed with the standard model. The new measurement from the muon G minus two experiment at the Fermi Lab strongly agrees with the value found at Brookhaven and diverges from a theory. Uh, with the most precise measurement to date. So, let's see here. Uh, the Mu the Muon G minus two experiment sends a beam. Okay, so this is kind of how this is how the experiment works. Um, the Muon G minus two experiment sends a beam of muons into the fourteen meter sto uh, storage ring, and then applying a magnetic field. 
where they circulate thousands of times at nearly the speed of light. Uh, Detectors lining the ring allow scientists to determine how fast the muons are processing. So that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah, and here's a nice little juicy fact is they've been studying the muon G2 for... uh since 1959. Wow. Yeah, I think I read too that they didn't really know a ton about muons, but that when the the Furby lab I think focuses heavily on that. So, um, let's see here. Oh yeah, in its first year of operation in 2018, the Fermi lab experiment collected more data than all prior muon G minus or G factor experiments combined with more than 200 scientists from 35 uh, institutions in seven countries. The Muon G-2 collaboration has now finished analyzing the the motion of more than 8 billion muons uh, from that first run. That's crazy. Um, That's a lot of experiments. Here's a couple other quotes from a different article. Uh... This is Dr. Mitesh Patel from the Imperial College of London. Uh, let's see here. He was involved with the project. Uh, they say that the the, um, the race is really on now to try and get one of these experiments to really get the proof that is uh, uh, that this is really something new. Uh, that will take more data and more measurements and hopefully show evidence that these effects are real. So you do kind of still have some scientists uh, that are kind of not skeptical, but just kind of more reserved about it. I saw a couple things on Twitter too from some physicists where they were discussing how, um, like I mentioned before, they already had an idea about this kind of, but that there still could be like error involved. So, I mean, who knows really, but I don't know enough about these experiments, but I, based on those statistics earlier, it seems like it's something that, um, should be pretty, uh, I don't know. I think, I think it could lead to some big discoveries if it's true, you know, or if it's, it proves to be correct. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's pretty strange. Uh, let's see here. This is from professor Alanak has given the possible fifth force, various names in his theoretical models. Among them are flavor force, the third uh, third family hyperforce and the most prosaic of them all, B minus L2. So, I mean, flavor force, that sounds like... Uh, sounds like my new band. Sounds like Guy Fieri's uh, new show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much all the data and info on it. I think, like, you know, we discuss a lot of interesting stuff on the show we don't always talk about you know some of the hard sciences when it comes to physics and particle physics and stuff like that like i said we have touched on it in the past but i think that this one was too seemed like too important of a find at least not to do an episode on it absolutely i'm actually trying to find because i i'm just a little curious about how much that act that uh that magnet actually cost did you see anything on that? No, but I, I would assume, I mean, all that stuff's got to be. It's astronomical. <laughs> it's out of this world. It's out of this world. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it, it's curious to me because what what kind of, uh, what kind of conclusions do you think would come from something like this? 
how important do you to the human race do you think discoveries like this are um to understanding our material realm i think they're super important i mean cuz i mean we talk about this like i said earlier about like science it's like this ever evolving picture now let's say some scientist writes a book about this you know or some of the findings on this and kind of runs with it and develops kind of a zone you know their own theory or offshoot of this mm-hmm. you know what if they find something else new that has to do with this two years from now that person already wrote a book are they going to defend that book you know are they going to defend their theory or hypothesis a lot of people do i'm not saying all but it's hard to find we at least we when we have guests try and find open-minded scientists that understand that those principles and are not so dogmatic to their own theories and stuff i mean way back when we had uh dr brian keating on and he wrote that book losing the nobel prize and talking about the um just the whole culture around the nobel prize and how it's so competitive and cutthroat and people are just trying to like debunk each other's theories and hypothesis or hypotheses and um it's kind of like a you know it's just very brutal and very Yeah, it's also kind of like a po- popularity contest to a degree. Sure. Who gets yeah. the funding, who's you know, who's who's going out there, who's shaking the most hands, if you will. And I think when it comes to um that kind of a thing too, who gets the most funding a lot of the times has to do with how productive could that be for creating products or you know, the latest technology in this field or that field, you know, like I think that's where those people are being funded by is, is these interests of like, you know, how can this affect our material realm as opposed to like Mm. how, what is this going to answer in terms of the bigger picture kind of a thing. So I'm not saying that doesn't happen too, but it, it seems like the funding goes towards things that are, um, could be used, um, in more of a day to day fashion. So when I was watching that video, with that that's in, that it's embedded in that article, they were talking about how these particles can just like appear out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't. It does I, that might have to do with that? I don't know. What did it say? Particle foam or something like that? Is that you know? Because I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, you have like uh, for like quantum physics and like uh, quantum theory, you have like Sean Carroll discuss this all the time where these particles it's almost like think of it as like a more of like a cloud and uh it's not so much that they're just appearing they're there they're just you know they appear in different places and all that stuff i guess is dependent on the observer too obviously oh, yeah i was gonna say you when you observe it, observe it to, yeah. yeah when you measure it you know um it, it, it changes so like you mentioned the double slit experiment earlier and now you can get crazy with it. You can get super woo-woo. A lot of people do. Um, lately, I've been trying to look at these things from more of just of like a, an epistemological view. Like, how do we know what we know? And then come up with my own ideas based on that. And just kind of, you know, looking at the science, look at some of the alternative stuff, and kind of deduct my own uh, theories and thoughts on it. Well, I I don't know if I can or not, but can, can, can I have a Maurice... Uh... <laughs> A is crazy it, Maurice moment. Cause is it is it going to be like insanely out of the box that just cannot be ever? Because here's the thing, do do your thing, say your say your piece, obviously. But 
I think we should think more about like, can you prove what you're saying? And if you can't, uh, isn't no. it just a speculation? I mean, well, this is a speculation to a hundred to a hundred percent, but I mean, okay. in, in, in vain of what we're doing the next episode on. So we know that particles can come in and out of our consciousness. Correct. Is that, you think that's rooted in scientific fact? Is it in and out of our consciousness, consciousness though, or is it, is, are we just, it's well, in and out of our observable, well, observable. Everything is filtered through our consciousness. Right. I mean, we can't measure anything without our consciousness. It's literally the most important thing, the only thing that we interface with the world, you know, through. It's the, like I said, we are the the observer, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with that. Okay, so say, say your piece. Well, I was just, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously going on a massive limb here, but if, if you were some kind of... Uh, super intelligent race which we may become at one point don't you think that you would be able to manipulate that where you could pop in and out so you're saying like in terms of like extraterrestrial life or if we become so advanced that let's say we get off earth and we understand physics and quantum physics to a whole nother degree exactly you're saying yeah, I mean, look, that's metaphysics. That's things that are out of the purview. That's why we did that whole episode, last episode of metaphysics. That's what that is. Metaphysics is like conjecture and speculation based on things that we know regarding things that are unknown. So let's take what we know and apply it to things that we don't know and kind of speculate. That's pretty much what metaphysics is, and that's why, I mean, what you're saying doesn't sound that that crazy. You know, like if if... You well, if a, ba- if a basis of a of a particle can can do it, then what's to say that a massive collection of particles couldn't achieve that? Yeah, same who function? are we talking to? I think it was Andrew Tischler, and we were talking about like this was a while back. We were talking about like uh, simulation theory and like uh, the double slit experiment and stuff. Yeah, and we were talking about like how how large can the can something be and still have that same effect? You know, like. Can it be on the macro level as opposed to the you know the micro level or the uh, fundamental particle level? You know that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe there's experiments out there. I've actually never really looked into it, but I mean, if yeah, if you if it can happen on a larger scale or a macro level, I don't see why what you're saying couldn't be possible. But then the other option is is that there's just some blind spot in our understanding. Somebody mentioned can consciousness be measured? Not by yourself. I mean. That's the weird thing about that. We might never know what it is because we can't really get outside of our consciousness. You know what right. I'm saying? Well, like, we can't measure the consciousness we can't of a ab- dog. That's the thing. Like we right. we know what they we can do tests on them and and have very you know ch- variables change and this and that. Like we know like dogs can't see color, correct? I don't know. Is that cats or dogs? I don't know. I don't know enough. I haven't really looked into animal. Uh, consciousness or cognition other than just watching those videos on like super intelligent ravens and gray parrots right so we were able to do tests and in, in, in scientific experiments to determine what these animals kind of are capable of doing but what's their consciousness level we still don't really understand that how does the dog know that you're coming home from work i mean you look at like a dog though and dogs are forget about like uh the intelligence like from you know like a um, they're more of like emotionally intelligent, if you ask me. Like they're more that they call it like you know, man's best friend for a reason because dogs are super. You know, they understand human beings on like an emotional level. 
Yeah, and maybe that's from obviously we we took a wolf and domesticated this thing over you know thousands of years by feeding it, and then it became loyal to us. And maybe that's kind of bred within its. Yeah, I think psyche. that they talk about like uh, with wolves that we were giving them scraps from like you know yeah. hunts and kills and stuff, and then over time it just slowly became kind of like a mutual relationship. Well, it actually of... turned it from being self-sufficient to fully relying on us, and then therefore. It needed it, it. It knew that it needed us, and then it wouldn't attack. Right. Like if you go out in the woods and you you see a wolf, it'll it'll attack because it's self sufficient. But you know all the dogs that we have tamed. Yeah, I was um, watching a documentary on wolves. I think they that stuff's interesting. They would they I would it's crazy. They would attack you, but I think that they more scope you out first. You know they'll kind of linger around and see what's going on. They're super intelligent. I mean, think about like a, a, an intelligent dog that's also you know a predator. It's you know. Uh huh. So, but it's like my, my buddy had a, had a boxer and this thing, I could put it, my hand into its mouth. I would, if it, if it saw a stranger, it would, it would lock onto his arm, like a, like a neck bone and wouldn't give up. But for me, I would put, I could put my, cause he knew who I was and he would protect the five yeah. people that it was super comfortable with. Yeah. It's I mean, crazy I, that it knows like who I, you are and then a stranger would fully on bite. I think it has to do with that. Um, like a, like a knowing kind of a thing, but I think they also, like I said, they're emotionally intelligent. They can sense things like, well, what kind of person you are, you know, like I know, um, animals are obviously super curious too. So, um, but yeah, so back to the particle stuff, I think, um, I think this will be interesting to, uh, see what, the, what happens going forward with this. Is this going to unlock more, uh, particle, you know? new theories, new discoveries? Is it going to, you know, maybe they find out that, uh, um, you know, maybe this new physics or whatever, you know, the new force of nature uh, will propel us, you know, in other regards with space travel and different things. So, I mean, yeah, if you could, you if you could get to Mars in like a half or a third of the time, I mean, that's huge. Yeah, so. Elon. So yeah, so interesting stuff. Um, we're gonna wrap. We're gonna keep this one short because we're gonna do another one on two very different topics. If you're watching this, uh, we don't just talk about hard science stuff. We also talk about metaphysical and you know metaphysical things and metaphysics. Uh, there was recently some new pictures released uh, regarding pilot, you know, pilots' pictures of unidentified aerial phenomena. So we're going to be discussing that in the new live stream we'll be doing here in a few minutes after we cut out of this. And uh, next week we will be back with some more guests. We're working on a few things. On Monday we will have Anthony Tyler back on to discuss metaphysics and some different uh, other topics that we haven't really discussed with him yet. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So we appreciate everybody watching. We love everybody. Stay safe out there. Oh, let me plug it one more time. If you have not already, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash mindescapepodcast. For just $2 a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. We also have a fan chat and some other stuff on there. Uh, you know, if you like the stuff we discuss on this podcast, metaphysics, ancient civilizations, psychedelics, science, you know, all different kinds of things having to do with the mind, uh, check us out on there. And head on over to our Discord as well. We have a Discord channel. It's pretty active and uh, fun. So... And one more time, if you have not already, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is the 
uh, social media platform we created to connect open minds. So if you like talking about this kind of stuff and speculating, theorizing, and hypothesizing, it's the perfect place to do it. And uh, anything else you want to add before we cut out here and do the next one? No, sir. All right. We love everybody. Stay safe out there, and we will catch you next time. Peace. Peace.